The climate criminal is the one who is also pretending to be the messiah of the people, to be the one uh, providing solutions to the same problems that they are causing. They felt comfortable enough to bring one of the most polluting industries in the world into the climate talks and give them a platform. Like, sure, it just shows how far away we are from getting where we need to be and, and how close that relationship is. Listening to EU Watchdog Radio. Hi, welcome. I'm Pasco Sabido, researcher and campaigner at Corporate Europe Observatory, or CEO. Exceptionally, I'm going to be the host of today's episode of EU Watchdog Radio, where I'm going to be talking to Adaronka Iga from Corporate Accountability and Public Participation Africa, or CAPA, and who is at the moment at COP27 in Egypt. CEO and Kappa are both part of the campaign, Kick Big Polluters Out. And um, we're going to be talking about it, how it is to be at the COP, and our latest research into the presence of fossil fuel lobbyists in the negotiations. A quick hint, it's not good. Do stick around. So, uh, Adarunke, it's really great to, to have you on our podcast. Hi, Pascal. It's really strange not to be there with you. This is like the first year for a long time that I myself have not been at the COP, but I, from what I'm seeing, um, things are in capable hands with yourselves and others. And we saw last week, I mean, there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of attention given to how many fossil fuel lobbyists are at the COP. So we had a piece of research with Corporate Accountability, CEO and Global Witness, which showed that there were more than 600 lobbyists, uh, fossil fuel lobbyists at COP27, roaming the halls, uh, influencing negotiations. That's more... Uh, the fossil fuel delegation is more than any single African country. And this COP27 is supposed to be an African COP. Like what's, I mean, from your perspective, like what's that mean for the talks? What's that mean for for what's going on on the ground? Mm. Thank you so much, Pasco. Um, number one, I would say it also feels really strange not to have you here. I mean, this space misses you so much, but it's incredible what you're doing, even without being physically present on the ground. And, uh, you know, you've made reference to the research that has been going on, which um, your organization, CEO, uh, Corporate Accountability, Global Witness have been doing. I mean, a lot of incredible work, which also goes to show the strength of our solidarity, of our cooperation, of our partnership, such that even when people are not physically present on the ground, they could be doing just so much behind the scenes. I mean, all of the figures, the facts, and all of the findings that you have put out for us, even for those of us on the ground, have been really helpful um, in other um, in in affecting the way that we push within the space and engage within the space and even protest when we can. And these people have been really jittery. And by these people, I mean even the COP uh, leadership itself, UNFCCC process, the corporations, like when we come out with all of these details and the research outcomes, and then they become really worried, like, okay, now we know they know what they are talking about. So that has been really useful. That's just by the side. But then what you mentioned is really, you know, for anyone who has been following the COP process, it's not new. It's what we have always known. It's just really annoying. It's infuriating knowing that year in, year out, 
we see this thing, we see the infiltration of the corporations um, in the space, in the negotiation spaces, in the decision-making process, in the policy-making processes. And you know that um, that wasn't, it doesn't look good, apart from how it looks, it doesn't also uh, smell of good faith even on the part of, of the COP itself. So like you rightly observed, um, you know, in, in this process, we have been looking at how many delegates have been sent by even countries. And this year, you know, it's coming out. As of yesterday, we had 636 registered lobbyists, delegates, or even participants from the corporations, from the big polluters. Uh, sometimes this participation is direct, sometimes it's indirect, but then you see their lobbyists all over the place. And then you made reference of how, um, I mean, to how even the entire African delegation is not up to that number. And it's the truth. And then you look at the fact that um, the most affected uh, communities at the front lines of uh, this climate crisis caused by the corporations and these big polluters are not even allowed in the space. Their participation is so restricted and so limited in the space. And this is the same space where you have uh, polluters having a field day. So it, it, it shows that, number one, there's no good faith. And it shows also that nothing good is expected to come out of such an arrangement where the climate criminal is the one who is also pretending to be the messiah of the people, to be the one uh, providing solutions to the same problems that they are causing. So, and, and you know, it's not shocking that um, we see false solutions all over the place. We hear of net zero, carbon capture, carbon market, you know, all of these are things that they have been parading as uh, what the solution would be to the climate crisis that we have. But then we know that all of these solutions, so-called solutions, are also for their own benefit. They stand to benefit a lot. It's a uh, gain for them. It's business as usual for them. And these are things that also suggest that they can keep polluting, keep uh, damaging the space, keep causing ecological damages just as they have done over the years, you know, without um, paying any penalty without being held really responsible or liable. So those are the consequences of this infiltration mm. that we see for the space such as uh, COP. Uh, so it's it's we have been pushing, we have been fighting. We won't keep silent because um, the question could also arise as to, um, so why do you keep engaging the system? Why are you still in this space and so on? Why don't you just... Um, mm back out seeing that it's not a fair space it's not a just space it's, it's not a space that is even serious enough to want to solve the problem on the ground um but the answer my answer would always readily be you know um you can imagine how much worse it would be if we kept pushing um, i mean if we stopped pushing if we stopped um even attacking what we see that is wrong in the system or if we stopped even engaging this process then we would just be surrendering it would be uh like throwing in the towel and saying okay well just have it all do whatever you will and that will not be good for the people for the environment and for our communities that are usually at the front line at the receiving end of all of these climate crimes and injustices that um the big polluters keep uh you know keep sending yeah to us and just keep uh, doing to us as a matter yeah. of 
No, I mean, I think that's really important, like, because this obviously has, it has impacts far beyond these halls. But right now you're, you are there in Egypt. And I mean, year after year, the climate talks, and of course, we're supposed to be there to talk about climate change. You know, how do we tackle this huge problem? How do we tackle, you know, how do we bring down emissions? How do we stop fossil fuels being dug up? But it, to be very honest, often it feels more like a trade fair than it does mm. a negotiations. And I was wondering, like, because I've seen seen the pictures uh, and then I saw some videos that came out. So the day we're recording this, there was uh, the Canadians, you know, were hosting public events with the tar sands industry in their government pavilions. They've got their own government space and invite the tar sands industry and other big energy companies along. Like, I mean, it was really great to see that there was a protest around it, a walkout. But the fact they they sort of were able to do that, that they felt comfortable enough to bring one of the most polluting industries in the world into the climate talks and give them a platform, like, surely it just shows how far away we are from getting where we need to be and, and how close that relationship is. I mean, yeah, what is, have you seen other examples of this? Like, how are you seeing this like play out on the ground, the sort of where the fossil fuel lobbies are, big polluters are, and uh, and the sort of, yeah, how they're, how they're using the COP as a platform to promote their full solutions? Absolutely. The, the, the evidence is all around us. And um, I'm, I'm happy you made that observation also. I mean, right here on the ground, you could see also these big boots of, of Coca-Cola, you see Nestle, and then it's just so brazen. And that is what um, we have also called out, the level of impunity with which these acts are being carried out it's so brazen you know like um in the past you would even see very tactical moves maybe behind the scenes discussions and but now the fact that like you observed they are comfortable enough to even um hold sessions or have discussions and now even to the point of sponsoring some part of of the cop so we kicked we keep kicking because we have to you know if you look around this space you see coca-cola as at yesterday um in fact we had to demonstrate we had an action very close to the booth to coca-cola booth and we had this really lovely banner that said kick big polluters out and we had it just close to that booth which also was a strong message on our part saying um, we can have these uh, polluters not just um, hiding and scheming to do things anymore, but also now being comfortable and confident enough to come out with this level of impunity and brazen nature of just uh, being in that space and being comfortable in, in this space. So those are some of the things that we have yeah. kicked about, uh, kicked, um, kicked, um, big polluters out. Yeah, <laughs> help to kick them out. No, because I, yeah, I think so. If anyone's not seen, go check out. There's a really, there's a really beautiful action that took place uh, on Thursday um, during the first week of COP. With because what's important to say is, you know, this is it's not the first year this has been going on. Um, there's so many groups around the world who yes. are trying to take a stand on this, and, and you're there at the COP with many of them. So the the kick big polluters out campaign, because you know. We need we need to make our voices heard, but we need to take it further. We need to make sure that actually the 400, more than 400 organizations called on world leaders to kick big polluters out, called for them to stop writing the rules, to stop sponsoring and bankrolling the climate talks, calling for people in and polluters out. Um, 
and also you know to reset the system with a system change so this is a demands made by more than 400 organizations um and there's also a petition if anyone wants to go and sign at www.kickbigpollutersout.org where you can sign but this sort of kick big polluters out campaign i think it's worth just mentioning that you know this this comes from comes from a long struggle that like you and others have been in not just against the fossil fuel industry because i think it's important lots of people think oh yeah you know the fossil fuel industry is really bad there are so many different industries whose whose main business model is predicated on trashing the climate and making profit from trashing the climate trashing local communities and before we sort of i guess the focus was on climate change um you were working others were working on tobacco and this fact that actually the tobacco industry you know it wrote the playbook for lobbying the tobacco industry pioneered all of these tactics now being used by the fossil fuel industry but what was amazing is that the UN tobacco talks managed you managed and others managed to kick out the tobacco industry um which was amazing to see and this is like what this is being based on can we kick out uh, big polluters in the same way that we managed to kick out the tobacco industry and protects these talks from those influences and i was going to just pick up on a point because i think it's really important that 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 tobacco treaty it wasn't just banning tobacco lobbyists from the talks stopping them sponsoring uh, stopping the influence it was also from every country that signed the tobacco treaty so what i guess we're looking to do here at the un talks is every country that would sign up would then implement it because the problem is not just at the un climate talks of course like it sounds it sounds pretty horrendous this year probably even worse than other years but what really you know where this comes from is what happens at national level so i was just going to ask you like in nigeria what's in your own communities how are you seeing the sort of the impacts of this sort of corporate capture and big polluter influence mm. it's it's so terrible and um that's one of the reasons that even uh without the without without the cop usually ahead of the cop and after the cop um we keep taking actions and our actions have been also in in the most recent times uh been focused more on community organizing because cop is just one thing uh but everything that leads up to cop and everything that hap- happens after cop is really really just so important um so in in the community so for for instance in Nigeria you see a dominating presence of shell shell bp you see chevron you see total you see mobile but shell has been um a chief criminal you know in degrading the land in in fossil extraction and they have done this for about 62 years now and there have been struggles and I mean it's even important that we are doing this today because just yesterday was a a remembrance of uh it, it was yesterday was 27 years that the Ogoni nine maybe you have heard about yeah, them yeah, these yeah. were yes environmental activists um chief of them was Kensaro Wiwa who was really famous for being vocal and was also a writer about the kind of degradation that was happening about the environmental pollution of shell and all of the exploitation that shell was carrying out and sadly still carrying out till date so um eventually those nine activists were executed in the most gruesome manner you know everything been sponsored and championed by shell and it was worse because we also had a military regime at that time that you know carried out that um murderous act in fact that murder 
So 27 years yesterday, and we had a memorial for that where we had also a really important and uh, deep action. But then beyond COP and outside of COP, what we do um, for each time, I mean, the last time we were able to do a really solid action, which was targeted, what we did was to visit the headquarters of Shell. We did a huge action there, calling them out and letting them know that we know about all of this camp, you know, how they also infiltrate the space and then they do a lot of bribery and then they have been taking lives, been taking livelihood, they have been degrading the land and so on. And that action was also really strategically targeted at the time that Shell was having its um general meeting so all of all of the board was present and you know it was a huge day for them and we made sure to disrupt that session and to you know bring communities together so that action was led by the communities themselves we facilitated it we are part of community but then uh when you go to nigeria for instance you hear about the niger delta niger delta has delta state edo state bielsa state you know all of these states that their lands have been totally polluted and these are people who essentially uh by vocation are farmers fisher folks so that means also that their livelihood has been taken away because the water is polluted uh there's no aquatic life anymore um uh sea creatures have died or are still dying sometimes you, you go to the sea and you see fish is floating you just see all of these creatures floating on the water and then you see oil because also it's it's just terrible exploration that is happening there and exploitation so all of these are actions that we are doing at home and then over the years communities have become more aware of how uh disgraceful the um, action of shell has become and their life expectancy has really really dropped so um it's one of the things that we have done also in recent times is taking uh shell to court so communities have also been leading a lot of litigation actions so and and i think that's a beautiful thing that happened because of the liability roadmap uh mm. which of course uh ceo you are well aware of and you're part of um all of these um very amazing organizations that came together and then drafted a roadmap you know to hold uh big polluters accountable or liable even so we have also back at home and on the ground in africa even beyond nigeria been able to um intimate the government with this liability roadmap to say enough, enough of government saying oh we're helpless or we don't know how to go about uh, holding them liable and all of that now here you have it here is the liability roadmap which is essentially a guideline there are so many things that can be done you can combine litigation with legislation with you know all of these um uh, guidelines that have been set for you to hold big polluters liable so now governments are also kind of embracing that and we are giving them uh support in ensuring that they understand how this guideline works and what they can do with it so those are some of the actions that have been going on and and, and we are really excited to see also that um, as opposed to what used to be in the past, where Shell will tell you, oh no, so we can't take we can't take uh the blame for whatever our subsidiary does on the ground and all of those BS, uh, you know, pardon yeah. my language. You know, but right now we are also getting judgment. You know, communities have gone to the Hague, you know, to say, no, we need Shell to pay up and clean up our environment. Mm. So, you know, one of the recent judgments that we got was the one that said that shell can indeed be held liable for 
whatever their subsidiaries do in whatever community. So I think that was a big win for the people. And uh, we are not even celebrating because we know so much more should be done. So all of this, and we're trying to also avoid tokenism. Don't come and tell us about, oh, loss and damage. And then we are going to pour in this finance and that finance, and that should take care of the space. No, there's also the issue of reparation. Damage has been done in the past. Who takes care of that? You know, so those are some of the conversations that have been going on even back at home. And we keep ensuring that they go on. So the space is wider now and communities are getting more informed, you know, so by also engaging them even beyond the COP process. So anything you see us do at the COP is just also to ensure that um, our leaders are saying the right things in the negotiation rooms and they are mm -hmm. speaking the issues and speaking the minds of their people so those are the levels yeah. of engagement that we hear and just influence in general that's i mean they're brilliant to hear like i think it's really important like ah we can often get particularly in the global north like in europe where these a lot of these these companies are headquartered Mm. A, the, the 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 sort of impact of these companies is is not is not passed on. They like when you see the you know our politicians meeting with Shell, meeting with BP, and these big polluters. You know they think this mm -hmm. is about the economy. This is about the energy system. You know how do we make sure growth happens? Never do they think who mm. are the people on the receiving end. So it's it's not even just climate. It's what like you beautifully sort of outlined what are the impacts beyond climate what's the impacts on local communities and livelihoods uh that they're not taking like account of so i think this is something that we need to take back in our work in brussels in these ivory towers you know these big glass buildings full of mm. often men in suits talking to each other who have all gone to the same school um you know in their own little bubble it feels a mm. million miles away from nigeria so i think it's really important we can try and bring that voice bring your voice to to uh to, to brussels and other cap capitals because it's where we need to be holding to account and then i think just yeah the point on making them pay that's that's really important like this liability is a really uh important uh element to this so we don't just want to kick them out we want to make them pay so i think it's really really great so if people want to check out uh is it make them pay make big polluters pay.org I think yes. I yeah. So we've got BigPolluters.org. Um, yeah. So check out both of these campaigns. Kick big polluters out. Um, .org. Sign up to the petition and make big polluters pay. And this is how I guess we begin to try and move the dial and 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 you know try and connect. This is what's been a beautiful to see the connection from what happens at COP, what happens at national level. You know what's happening in Europe, what's happening in Nigeria, what's happening around the world. Um, to make sure that we can carry on building this movement because. I mean, you know, power doesn't relinquish power by itself. Power's not granted, it's taken. Um, yeah. the words of Malcolm X. So how do we make sure that we do take this power? You can only take this power by building it yourself. So I guess this is our task now. I'm going to leave you because it sounds like things are going to start hotting up at the COP. Um, yes. But I'm going to say, Adirong, it's brilliant to talk to you as always. Um, I really hope that, yeah, in this the coming year, we carry on working together and building this power because, yeah, kicking big polluters out and making them pay is sort of what underpins our ability to to maintain this world, to maintain the ecosystems and the communities and everything that we have around it against those who are trying to destroy it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pascal, for doing this. It's been great talking with you. Yeah. And when you spoke about the, uh, these men being in suits, you forgot the shiny part. Yeah. Their suits are also shiny. 
very very silly people that but now it, I'm, yeah. I'm happy people are taking their power and people are confronting the situation and that's what we should do until we get back our land because as a matter of fact we can't talk about climate justice without human rights you know mm. it's never complete without talking about the human right because that's what makes it justice in the first place justice yeah. is not uh, about business or profit or you know just the economy alone the people always have to be a consideration thank exactly. you so much for that. you're welcome and it's a, it's a great last great last word considering where you're recording this from in Egypt which has got an atrocious human rights record and there's how many thousands of political prisoners uh, currently behind bars thanks to the sort of dictator CC but well solidarity and good luck for the rest of the cop I hope you get through it thank you so much Pascal so we've come to the end of this podcast thank you so much Adaronke and also a big thank you to Joanna Lossa for technical assistance if you like this podcast and you value the work of CEO, then please support us to stay independent. Consider making a small donation and sign up to our newsletter at corporateeurope.org. And of course, follow us on social media. And if you want to sign the petition, go to kickbigpollutersout.org. Till next time. Bye bye.